0: This message inspires and encourages you. For more information, please contact Nexus Church. So Lord, our eyes are on you tonight. Lord, no matter what we're facing, if we're feeling hopeless, if we're feeling full of grief, Lord, we thank you that our eyes can be on you. Lord, that we can look to you We can look to your resurrection, Lord. Oh, death, where is your sting? Thank you, Lord. Amen. You're welcome to grab your seat. Good to see you all. Our Nexus kids, you're welcome to head out with Pastor James. He's got a fantastic night planned for you. I'm going to be honest, it's it's hard to come off the back of hard news and, and sad news. And, but I'm reminded that we're called to run to the Word, to run to the Scriptures. And I've, uh, I've got this Word burning in my heart and I've been preparing it this week and I truly believe that God is going to speak to some hearts tonight and I pray that it will speak to your heart. And I, I'm excited to get into the Word. So let's just, let's jump straight there. We're going to be, we're going to be learning tonight and and being taught tonight from Colossians 2, 6 to 10. So if you have your actual Bibles, you're welcome to open those. If not, it will be up on the screen. You're welcome to read along. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built it up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Powerful scripture. The second verse there, when I first read it, was like, oh yeah, that's the one. going to talk lots on that verse, and it's amazing as you start to unpack Scripture, the Holy Spirit will say, no, I've got something else for you. Tonight, if you're writing notes, the title of this message is The Uncomplicated Life of a Disciple. The Uncomplicated Life of a Disciple. As we continue our journey into discipleship and our focus as a church on discipleship, I want to focus a bit more on that tonight. And particularly, I want to focus on receiving Jesus as Lord, not just a Saviour. You see, we all love receiving Jesus the Saviour. We love a Saviour. We love being saved. The idea of of this person coming and pulling us out of our oppression, out of that thing that's holding us back. We love a Saviour. But this is talking about receiving Christ Jesus as Lord. And I feel like in the West, and particularly in Australia, we don't really get this concept of Lord. We don't really understand what it is to have a Lord, because really, we're pretty free we have a lot of freedom. We can do what we want and we don't have oppressive rule over us. We don't have someone who's our king. I mean, we have a queen, but not really. And so we've got this, this idea of Lord and it's something that we don't really understand. And it's, if you do prefer Jesus the Saviour, it's all good. I mean, we look to the disciples. When they first met Jesus, when he called them to be his disciples, they saw Jesus as their Saviour, as the Messiah. He was the one that was going to free them from the Romans and set Israel free. So we're in good company. It's all good. But Paul here is urging us to receive Jesus Christ as Lord. So we're going to jump into the, into the Word and, and see what it's telling us about it and how to live a, a life with Christ as Lord. And um, there's three three key things that, that I'm going to pull out of it because all good messages have three points, right? So we're going to go there. And If those three things aren't necessarily just to live as Jesus, they're also good ways to identify what is Lord in your life. So I encourage you as we read this to reflect on your own situation, I guess your own thoughts and your own life, and and maybe it'll be brought to light what is Lord in your life. All right, so we're going to start in verse 6. We're going to head straight down the passage. So it says this, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord... Continue to live your lives in Him. This this passage sums up the call of a disciple perfectly. Again, we see that word receive and we're like, yes, another gift. Talk to me. We're from the West. We love gifts. I want to receive. But it's receiving Him as Lord. And when it's saying received here, what it's actually talking about is you have heard the message of Christ and you have believed and so it's not necessarily just the gift that Christ was, but it's you have heard the message of Christ and now you believe and because you have received it. So I'm just going to unpack this real quick because it's important to understand this bit before we jump to the next bit. So that received is, is important because it's believing and then we are in Him. And we, again, we like that bit. We can do that. I can believe in Jesus. I like Him. He did good things. He lived a good life. He had love, compassion, grace, all these things. Yeah, I can receive Him. I like that. But it's the next bit that we maybe struggle with a little bit. The next next bit is, live your lives in Him. And this is the call of a disciple. Not just to receive Christ, but to live your lives in Him. This can be, that word live can be translated a few different ways, and different translations do that. Some say live, some say walk, some say conduct. I think, truthfully, all those ways are fantastic. So, another way to say that is, so live walk and conduct yourself in the same way that Jesus lived, walked and conducted himself. And this is the call of a disciple, to live, walk and conduct ourselves in the same way that Christ did. So, I like this little quote, I'm going to read this quote just because I like it. It says this, it says, true conversion implies the right of Christ to rule and therefore determine the shape and character of what in his eyes is worthy and consistent living. How countercultural is that to the way we live? To determine the shape and character of what in his eyes is worthy and consistent living. And this is the call of a disciple. This is laying down our choice of how we want to live and looking to Christ and saying, his way is greater. His way is the way that brings life. I'm going to live my life in his life. So, as I said, we're going to look at these things of how to determine what's Lord in your life and also how to live a life that has Jesus as Lord. So, let's jump into that. Again, if you're taking notes, that's a good thing. And we're going to get to that soon, actually. I'm going to talk about note-taking. I felt a little bit convicted as I prepared this message. So, we're going to jump into verse 7. It says this. It continues on from verse 6. It says, "...rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness." So, there's three things here that, that really determine the, the call of a disciple and, and living your life in Him, walking, conducting yourself in His ways. So, the first one, first question I want to ask you is, what do you attach yourself to? What thing do you attach yourself to? You know, and the, the team have heard this story, but I don't think many of you have, so I'm going to share it. When I was an eight-year-old, I learned how to survive a cyclone. I was, uh, I was living in Canada um, my dad was doing a teacher exchange there and, and we, we, this one weekend we headed out into Kalani National Park on a canoe trip. And it was amazing. We got to basically canoe for as long as you want, find an island somewhere and camp on it. And so we, we did this. It was my dad, our neighbor, his nephew and me. Um, I was eight at the time. I have a little scar on my thumb. I got my first Swiss Army knife at eight and I chopped off Spider-Man's head. And I cut my thumb at the same time, but it's all good. These are the scars we live with. Uh, but this place, Kalani, was beautiful. These pristine lakes that I would travel up. We, we'd canoe up them and we, we canoed for about a day. Dad learnt the J-stroke after a bit because we were doing this up the river. I know Dad's watching. You did all right. You were good by the end. And we found this little island where we were going to camp. And looking back, I'm a, I'm a little bit concerned that my dad and our neighbour didn't look at the weather. Because that night... The storm to end all storms hit us. And we're a a day's canoe away from any civilization, any help. And this storm hits and lightning is peeling across the skies. The trees are bending in the wind. I'm surprised our tent even stayed standing up. And it got to the point, we're just sitting around this little fire, it got to the point that Dad said, we're going to have to tie ourselves to some trees. As an eight-year-old... It doesn't instill much confidence. As an eight-year-old, you don't want to hear our only hope is to tie ourselves to some trees. Luckily, and, and as all good eight-year-olds do, I just went to bed. I was like, no, I can't handle this. Sorry, Dad. I'm going to sleep. And luckily, the cyclone didn't hit us. I believe it passed about 10 kilometers north of us. But it was really frightening. And this storm, and you're Queenslanders. You know what good storms are. But this was a storm. But Dad knew if that storm hit, we needed to be attached to the strongest thing on that island. And they were these big trees. And that's what this is speaking about here. And when we look at the Lord, what do you attach yourself to? It says rooted and built up. So there's two things happening here. Firstly, rooted is that foundation is deep and it's past tense. That word rooted happens in a moment. And that's when we believe in Jesus. His gospel goes deep and then built up. It's funny, that word rooted is used twice in, in the New Testament and both times it's established, it's, a, it's connected to another word. In Ephesians it's established, in Colossians here it's built up. So rooted is never on its own. It's always built up as well. And you think about that tree, if it was just an incredible root system, I don't know how we're going to attach ourselves to it. It's just underground and it's like, what an incredible root system, that's no help to me. Or, if it's just this epic tree... With no root system, a little bird would knock it over because it doesn't go deep. Its foundations aren't deep. And so what Paul is saying here is attach yourself to Christ. He is the one that we need to be rooted and built up in. I love it in John 15, it it talks about when Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Remain in me. Remain in me. If a man remains in me and I in him... I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So I take from this, I can't just go on my merry way and live my life because I believe in Jesus. But I need to allow him to build me up. And that's the walk of a disciple, to be built up in Christ and attach myself to that thing that is visible above the surface. And that's the Christ-like life. And this, I'm going to jump forward a little bit, just with this one, it then goes on in verse 8, it says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. Now, that's the verse that I read, I was like, oh, I'm going to go to town on conspiracy theories, I'm ready. Because conspiracy theories are running rampant, but God had more. He didn't want to just tell us not to believe conspiracy theories, He wants to tell us to trust Him as Lord, But this idea of being rooted and built up in him completely has to do with that idea. You see, Paul knew, so Epiphras was, I I don't know how to say his name, I think it's Epiphras, I'm sure Nathan will correct me this week. Um, But Epiphras was the guy that was meeting with Paul and, and he was the one that delivered this letter to the Colossians, so he would read it aloud. And he had told, obviously, to Paul that there were these other pressures that were trying to force their way into the Colossian people. So there were two particular pressures. There was, firstly, the... Uh, mythological or mystical polytheism, which is essentially other religions that had lots of gods and and relied on weird spiritual powers. The other one was observance of the law of the Torah, so Judaism. And so, these two things, and interestingly, you could kind of say that one of them is rooted, which is the mystical polytheism, because it seems to go deep, it seems to, to talk about this interesting other world of the spiritual. And the other one, laws of the Torah and observance of the laws, could be just the tree. It's just that thing of presenting that life of, yeah, I've got it all together. Look at me, I'm living a good life. I'm a disciple because I live a good life. But Paul is warning here, he's saying, don't let these things take you captive. And that word captive, it's only used once. And it literally means to be carried off as plunder. I think of a pirate coming in and chucking you over his shoulder and taking you out. This is a warning, don't let yourself be kidnapped. Don't let your mind be kidnapped. And so when we do that, when we're rooted and built up in Him, He's saying, don't let yourself be kidnapped. Don't let your mind be taken captive. Don't let yourself add to Jesus. Jesus is enough. Just have yourself attached to Him. So the first one, what are you attached to? Second one, this is an interesting one. Uh, What are you passionate about being taught? I think back to, um, are there any uni students in the building? Give me a little wave. That's good. You can wave. That's COVID safe. We're all good. For all you uni students, I want you to think back to that first day of uni. You know, you've just come through 13, for some people, 15 years of schooling um, to get to that point. And, and now you can finally pick your career. You can pick what you want to learn. You've been learning all these subjects you felt were redundant, a quadratic equation, still don't really understand what that's used for. I'm sure somebody in this room has to use it. It starts with a minus B, I believe, or a plus or minus or something. But there's all these things that we learn that we kind of feel are redundant. And then you get to uni and you're like, I want to be a teacher. I'm excited to learn. I'm excited to get into my class. And what do you do? You arrive on that first day. If you're like me, you're cheap. You have a little notepad ready to write with a fancy pen. I love good pens. Jeez, they're good. But if you're a high-tech student, like probably all of you are, you rock up with your laptop and you're ready to take notes because you're passionate about learning. You're ready to learn, that, learn about that thing you have chosen. And this is something that happens when you have Jesus as Lord. Paul's saying here, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Now, you can read this as two ways. You could say that they were taught how to be strengthened in their faith or how to have a strong faith, but I don't think that's true. I think what he's saying here is, as you were taught, your faith was strengthened. In the same way with uni, when you're learning about these things, you become equipped for the job that you will later be stepping into. And this is where, that, that's the bit that I was really convicted about note-taking, because we have high-caliber preachers in this church with Pastor Nathan, Pastor Josh and Cam, and they preach great messages. But how passionate are we to be taught by them? How passionate are we to learn about the things of Christ? We go to a church, and we're a part of a church here that believes in the power of Scripture. For those Colossians, they didn't have the New Testament to just whip out and and have a look at and read about Jesus. We've got that. We've got this thing we can open day after day and learn about Jesus. And when Jesus is Lord, you want to passionately learn more about Him. And as you learn about Him, you will be strengthened in your faith. How often do we pray, Lord, strengthen my faith? Give me a strong faith. He's probably saying, read about my son. Get into my word. It's there for you. It will strengthen you. So first one, what are you attached to? Second one, what are you passionate about being taught? Third one. I love this one. I'm going to read the verse because it says all of it. Overflowing with thankfulness. Do you know how you know what Lord is in your life? What do you show gratitude to or gratitude for? Because that will show what is Lord in your life. You know, I love, I don't love, I actually really dislike the Oscars and those award ceremonies. And and I think this is often how we view gratitude. It's only when we receive accolades that we will go, oh yeah, you know, I I was the best Dolly Grip. I don't know if that's the the right term or these weird terms in film. And I'm going to thank my family I'm going to thank my partner who's probably going to be my partner for the next six months until I get a new magazine deal and I want to thank my God and they go through these things and they show gratitude and so often when we see the word overflowing and for me I, I, I like to, to see pictures when I read the word and when I saw that at first I just saw a cup overflowing and I reckon that for a lot of us is the picture we see but, but I think this, this language invokes a much better picture and that's a flowing river. That's a river that is bursting over its banks. It's this constant flow of water that the the river can't hold it. So it has to overflow. When you think about a cup overflowing or a cup with gratitude, you think of like a toast at a wedding. Again, it's a moment. It's like, yep, here's to the bride and groom. How good's that? And then you put it down, you keep going on your way. But a river that is overflowing continually flows over the banks. And that's what Paul's talking about here, overflowing with thankfulness. You know, if there's, if there's one person in the, in the Bible I really don't want to end up like, it's the Pharisee, right? We don't want to be Pharisees. But I feel like that's actually the easiest person to become in the Bible. Gratitude is your antidote to becoming a Pharisee. If you have overflowing gratitude that sees everything in your life as a gift and everything in your life as something that Christ has given you, you cannot become a Pharisee because it's not about you. You're not saying, how good am I? I know the right times to say these things. I know the right times to pray these things. But if you live a life that is overflowing with gratitude, you will not become a Pharisee. So, why do we need... Excuse me, I'm going to have a little drink. This is my first time drinking water on stage. It's an exciting moment for me. Mm. My cup overflows. sorry everyone online. I keep for some reason my automatic reaction when I cough is to bring the mic to my mouth so I'm sorry for those at home that are experiencing that again alright so why do we need to be rooted and built up in Him why do we need to be strengthened in the faith as we were taught why do we need to be overflowing with thankfulness I want to go to verse 9 Verse 9 is a powerful verse. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Jesus is not just our saviour. He is our Lord, because he wasn't just a reflection of God. He wasn't just a, a version of God. Jesus is God. He was complete deity, bodily form. And this is why we can look to Him as Lord. I'm going to invite the the team to come join me. I think of this uh, as a a bit of an illustration. So in, in school, I did design and technology and basically that up here, I believe, is just called woodwork or industrial arts or something like that. But basically, it was woodwork. And I want you to imagine if the teacher just said to you, make this thing, just make it, and then left you on your own. See, this isn't isn't how it happened. At my school, my teacher would have a finished product and would show that to us before we would then start to make it ourselves. Not only that, he would then walk alongside us and, and help us, help us as we put that thing together, as we made it ourselves. And this is what we have in Jesus, We have the finished product. We have God in bodily form who showed us how to live a life, how to live a life of love, how to live a life of compassion, how to live a life that put others first. And it's right there. But he didn't leave it there. He then sent the Holy Spirit to walk alongside us. In the same way that that design technology teacher would do, we had the finished product there that we could look to and we can read about in the Scriptures And then we have the Holy Spirit walking alongside us, beckoning us to live a life in the same way that Jesus did. And because he is God, we can make him Lord. And I implore you to make him Lord. Because if you go through those things, if you look again, ask yourself, what am I attaching myself to? What's the thing that I go to when times get tough? In your storm. What are you tying yourself to? What's the thing you're passionate about learning? Are you more interested in jumping on YouTube and learning how to hit a golf ball? Or are you more interested in reading the Word and learning about our Savior, our Lord? Finally, where is your gratitude pointed? Is it pointed at yourself? Is it pointed at your family? Are you thankful for what they do? You probably are, yeah. But when Jesus is Lord, gratitude is always pointed towards Him. Because He is the King. He is, in the, he is on the throne. He's at the right hand of the Father. And that's why we can call Him Lord. It's why we can walk day to day. We can live and we can walk and we can conduct ourselves in the same way that Jesus lived, walked and conducted Himself. And that's, that's the simple call of a disciple. I told you the, the, the title was The Uncomplicated Life of a Disciple. It's not that complicated. We just need to look to Jesus. The blueprint is there. Not only that, but He wants to help us walk in that. He wants to encourage us into it. I guess a practical way you could do this because it's all good and well to so say, leave here and we'll, we'll have a bit of a pray and, and worship together and go, yep, Jesus, you're Lord. But how can I practically put this into place? How can I live a life that has Jesus as Lord? Can I encourage you not to just consult Jesus? Not to just go up and say, all right, Lord, actually, no, let me put it a better way. I think at times we can look at our faith like the water table in a marathon. We can be running this marathon and every now and then we need to go grab a little drink to quench our thirst. I believe that discipleship isn't that point. Discipleship is all of the hours of training that happens before the marathon. Those hours spent getting your cardio systems up. I don't understand this. I tried to do running. I was rubbish at it. But all this training builds your body up to be able to withstand and so when we have the things of faith and when we have Jesus of law as Lord, what we do is we allow Him to train us. We allow Him to equip us. We don't just approach Him for a little bit of refreshment every now and then. We don't just approach Him to help us get through the race. Yeah, we'll do that. But He'd be running beside us with this epic camel pack, I reckon. But this is why Jesus is Lord. And this is why we can live a life that's, that's focused on Him because He is a good God. And so I guess... In everything you face, maybe the thought, and I'm sure you've heard this before, is I'm not going to react. I'm going to respond. A reaction happens in a moment, but a response allows Christ to move and allows the Holy Spirit to guide our steps and go, how would you respond to this? How would you respond to this situation? And how can I see you in this law? And absolutely, He will show up. He will show you. He will point it out. He'll give you the words because he's a good God. Because Jesus is deity, full deity, fully God in bodily form. And he was a good guy. He lived a good life and he loves us. He loves you for all your quirks, for all my quirks. He loves us. And this is why I choose to place him as Lord in my life. And I want to encourage you to do the same to live a life that points to him. So we're going to, why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to sing, Oh Praise the Name again, because it's a fantastic song. We sang it at Easter, and it's, it's an incredible song because it, it places Jesus at the highest place. When you praise his name, what you're doing is, you're putting him above whatever is trying to be at your highest place. And I, I will never get sick of hearing the gospel. I will never apologize for including the gospel in my messages because this is all about Jesus. Everything we do here is about Jesus. And when we worship, our attention is on Jesus. Our affections are on Jesus. And so we're going we're gonna to sing this together. And I want in the back of your mind just to have that that line, my gaze transfixed on Jesus' face. And let's praise Him. Let's once again put Him as Lord in our lives, not just our Savior. Yes, He is your Savior, but He is also your Lord. Allow Him to be that. Come on, let's sing together.